Big Eagles win yesterday. The Eagles are 8-1 and one heading into the bye, the kind of unofficial midway point of the season as we're entering the holiday season, uh, which means it's time to start thinking about buying your wife, girlfriend, significant other, something special for the holidays. So I want to tell you again about our friends at Cozy Jewelers at C-O-Z-Z-I-Jewelers.com. They're located in Newtown Square, super accessible in the Edgemont Shopping Center. Uh, right now, for Crossing Broad listeners, if you go there, their Black Friday sale is is 20% off. If you go there anytime between now and Black Friday and mention Crossing Broad, you'll get their Black Friday sale. 20% off anything in the store, not including engagement rings, which we'll tell you about in a second. So go there. They got like a 4.9 on Google reviews. They were voted best of the main line in 2017. They're fans of the site. Um, they're sponsoring our our flyers content on the website. Family owned and operated. They have Movado watches. Um, we've gotten feedback from listeners and readers who said they've gone there and it is it is no hype. They're legitimately good. The guys are knowledgeable um, and they are, are very friendly. So please check out Cozy Jewelers for your holiday needs. If you're thinking of popping the question this holiday season, well, even better, mention Crossing Broad, you'll get $500 off a custom engagement ring, which is a substantial percentage, especially depending on how much you're spending. Um, but the guys over at Cozy will walk you through the four C's, which take it from someone who's done this. It can be confusing. It can be intimidating. You're buying a very expensive item that you likely <clears throat> don't know much about. The guys from Cozy's will walk you through the process. They'll tell you how they source their diamonds. They'll walk you through what you need to know and make sure you're informed. Oh, and you'll save <clears throat> excuse me, $500 off of your custom engagement ring. So check out the folks at Cozy Jewelers. That's C-O-Z-Z-I-Jewelers.com located in Newtown Square. Uh, right in the Edgemont Shopping Center. Thanks to them for sponsoring the podcast uh, yet again. So we got a Super Bowl contender on our hands. Mm, gosh, hold on. Let me just take a sip of this. Oh, that's called Believe Juice. Oh, oh baby. Eight and one. Guys, I literally had to untuck my shirt yesterday to hide my Wentz and Eagles boner. It was it's getting right to it. Yeah, Getting right to it. Oh, I'm not hey, hiding in, anything. In fairness, it's all out there. It's beautiful. In fairness, Kyle wasn't even wearing pants. So. Didn't yet. I figure if you just start the game without pants on, then you have nothing to worry about. No you pants. No pants, Kyle. I, I was I was wearing pants. But, oh, you know, oh, you did. Ah. Metaphor. I mean, I don't sit around my house with no pants on, but you know, figuratively, I was sans pants. You never sit around without pants on. Is that what being an adult is? That's what it is. Dad is. It maybe. is. It turns out. Yeah. It turns out. Once you grow up, you just you wear pajama pants around your house. When oh, you so once you have a kid, no more laptop. like no more underwear. Straight pants. I feel Damn. my mother-in-law was here yesterday too. Uh, oh. So. Oh, that changes things. It does for mm. for me, Russ. I don't know about you. You know what? I'd say, hey, Betty, Eagles are eating one. Jay Ajayi comes in day one and busts off a long touchdown run. Carson Wentz throws four touchdowns against the Denver Broncos. And, uh, yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl. So, hey, guess what, Betty? No pan Sundays. Her name is actually Betty. That's incredible. Wait, really? No. Um, so where do we stand, right? Like, I don't even know how we approach this topic, but you would have to think that as of right now, the Eagles are, are odds-on favorites to make the Super Bowl and potentially win it, which is crazy. We're, get, we're probably getting out ahead of our skis, but like high-level well, thoughts. From well, we're officially in the era or the time period where all of the statistics are lining up. 
that all the other Eagles teams that started 8-1 and one have either made it to the Super Bowl or the championship game before there was a Super Bowl. All four teams. So now, you know, statistically, trend-wise, we're going to go. I don't know. How do you feel when you see those stats? I don't put a, I don't put a lot of stock in historical. Oh, when the Eagles are this, I put stock in trends. Like over the last ten years, teams starting eight and one have done this. I think there's, you know, there's some data there. But when you 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 can't harken back to an Eagles team ten years ago and then an Eagles team forty years ago. Like there's no correlation there. Um, you know, it's fun, but I that means nothing to me. Yeah, it means more to me if you said the last three teams to go eight and one in the NFC have all made the Super Bowl. Like to me, that would be more relevant. I agree. There is a, I saw a stat. Um, someone compared the Eagles through nine games this year to 20 to 2004 Eagles. Yep. I won't read all the numbers here. They're pretty close. The Eagles have scored. A, uh, I'm just going to round off here about 50 more points this year. Um, their point differential is higher. However, they have allowed uh, about 25, 27 more points. Yards per game is higher. Yards allowed per game is a little bit uh, is lower. Um, so they've they've given up more points but allowed fewer yards. The takeover the turnover differential is uh, only six. It was 12 in 2004. That team was a turnover machine. Uh, and Wentz and McNabb are very very similar. McNabb threw a couple for a couple hundred more yards, but. Um, five fewer touchdowns. So that said, I, the only thing I would couch that in is the league's a little bit different now. Uh, offenses are a little more high octane, pass happy. So I would say that what happened in 2004 was more impressive statistically than what the Eagles are doing in the current NFL. But those stats are, you know, you could do a blind taste test and you couldn't pick which which was better. That's for sure. There's so much to be excited about with this team, and like when you compare them to that 0-4 roster, if you really choose to, that that 0-4 team had such an infusion of of big name free agent acquisitions that you know that played up to their contracts, the TOs of the world, the Javon Curses of the world, and seeing that so many of the key contributors on this team are guys that they drafted, just you know makes it feel that much better and makes it feel like it's going to be that much more sustainable like even guys that you signed to be big name guys like Alshon has a really has probably I guess his biggest game of the year yesterday um you know he comes in hasn't shown a lot of ego I was trying to explain this to my wife yesterday we were talking about you know she she said like why do you think they're eight and one do you think it has something to do with the locker room do you think there's leadership is it coaching is it is it the players themselves that are leading and I I said to her like we've talked about LeGarrette Blunt before and how Blunt was, you know, considered to be this, you know, like a, a little bit of a, of a locker room concern in college and even in the beginning of his career, and how he's done nothing but be the consummate professional. And now you add Jay Ajay, who, you know, the Miami media would have you believing is like the Antichrist, and he comes in to a really good situation, and like like Adam said, he, he broke off, I think, his biggest run of the year. It was short by a yard, I think he 46 yard or something like that. But, like, he comes in and and the team is confident that nobody can mess up this locker room. There, there are just so many things to be excited about that even, like, even somebody like me who isn't nice to ha- or isn't used to having nice things in Philadelphia sports and still wants to kind of bat down a little bit of this Super Bowl hype, you know, like, it's, it's hard not to get excited. This team has had different elements talking about how special they are since day one. And I think... 
beyond like that's why first of all the whole like jj was going to be a problem thing every franchise in the history of sports when they trade a player is going to talk shit about that player so that their own fan base doesn't feel bad that they gave up a pro bowl running back for a fourth round pick so that that that's what people have to realize too is that like see where the message is coming from uh but the fact that i think we all have to look at how special the situation is we have one of two owners in the entire sport who were willing to speak up for players' rights during the owners' meetings. Jeffrey Lurie and Jed York of the San Francisco 49ers. Two, you have Malcolm Jenkins, who has been one of the outright leaders of speaking up for players and what the message was for the protest, giving credence to everyone in the locker room that felt that way. You have Chris Long, who has donated every single game check to education in Charlottesville, Virginia, and was one of the first players to stick his hands on a protesting player's shoulder during a protest, thus bringing the locker room together. You have Carson Wentz, who is maybe the most focused athlete that I've ever seen in my entire life. You have a team that when their starting left tackle got hurt in Jason Peters, every single guy went on the field in a show of support that I have not yet seen and a fan base that got a Jason Peters chant for a left tackle. How many other fan bases are starting chants? You have a kicker that hit a 61-yard field goal that is a rookie that has never, ever, ever even kicked anything like that before and instantly became a legend for his team and hasn't missed a field goal since. You have all these elements that are coming together, and I just think it's this unit that there's no team in the NFL right now that has this kind of synchronicity. And I'll leave with one thing because I know that was kind of long. Chris Harris yesterday said about the Eagles offense, quarterback for the Denver Broncos, they run this college offense. They run kind of what the Chiefs do. They got an option to run, an option to pass. They run the read option, the real option. He's checking to a lot of things. It's a college option, and he's just executing it very good. And the one thing that has always fucking pissed me off about, about coaching in the NFL is that Everyone does what they do, and that's it. It's what used to piss me off about Andy Reid. It's what really pissed me off about Chip Kelly. It's what pisses me off about the Jeff Fishers in the world. So what Chris Harris Jr. said is, the Eagles have created something new that doesn't exist in the NFL, which combines the things that they're that their quarterback loved to do in college and wants to do in the NFL. Holy shit, they're adapting. And that is the one thing I'll say about this Eagles team in general is everything they've done this far this year, offense, defense, injuries, everything has been able to adapt. And it's so rare, and that's why it's special. Yeah, I I agree. I pretty much agree with everything you just said. Like, look at the it feel it's one of those seasons. When you look back to the 2008 Phillies or you know, there's not a whole lot of other winning in our lifetimes, but you can go back to like the 97 Flyers who rattled off that what, 17 game unbeaten streak, or I could go to point to a few Villanova cases. <clears throat> uh, but, you know, when, when teams have really successful seasons, that doesn't necessarily mean they win the championship. 
but you know you get to the championship or you're right there in the mix. The 04 Eagles are a good example of this. You're just trashing people. You start the preseason off with the bomb to TO. Like little things along the way just begin to break in your favor and the whole season has a positive vibe. Like n- no two ways about it. So all those things you named, I think about the locker room, about the anthem stuff, about the celebration. Like when things are going well, they're going well. This isn't a grind. You know, every now and then you get a team who's supposed to be good and they wind up putting up a good record, but it feels like they, it wasn't fun to get there. Everything right now is clicking for the Eagles, on the field, off the field. It just feels like that whole emotional intelligence thing that it just seemed like Lori was not paying lip service to, but hoping still existed in sports, actually exists. And I feel like you know that's one thing. You have to give credit to both Doug and Howie. To me, the most remarkable thing is, and and this goes to your point about playing to your strengths and doing something different and and mixing it up. The Eagles' biggest problem last year was, hey, they don't have a playmaker. They don't have a playmaker right now. And and what Roseman did, while you know you could have argued at the time it felt a little dream teamy, is he went out and got playmakers. All of a sudden now you have Alshon Jeffrey who turned 84 yards, two touchdowns yesterday. His best game as an Eagle. You have a, you know so a, a super plus wide receiver. He goes out and gets Legarrette Blount, who probably isn't a playmaker and who I certainly wasn't a fan of, but is an established running back and and at least more of a workhorse than what you had on your roster. He goes out and gets Torrey Smith, who has the uh, potential for big play ability. Then he goes out and gets Jay Ajayi um, this week. And you see the difference. Like, literally yesterday, you could see the difference in Alshon's, certainly one of his two touchdowns was a play that not a lot of guys are going to make. And then you see Jay Ajayi snap off that 50-yard touchdown run and dive into the end zone. I don't think the Eagles have had a, you know, Sproles was a different animal, but they, don't, they haven't had a running, a true running back who could do that in a long time, probably since, probably since Brian West, uh, I'm sorry, McCoy. Um, the point is, like, they've gone out and gotten these players, which is really a credit to Howie. As much as, like, I've shit on Howie over the years, he's filled these needs, and they're actually coming together on the field. And to your point about Doug, like, he is, this is not the offense that we had in weeks one, two, and three. You remember, we were complaining about the big plays. We were complaining about the screen passes. Like, he has now taken these pieces he's given, and slowly over the course of the season, as they've had more time to practice, he's started... He started utilizing Alshon Jeffrey once that run of of super difficult corners went away. He clearly has utilized effective ways to get Legarrette Blunt the ball. Like it's just really impressive what he's what he's been able to do, and it does feel like a little bit of that plug and play offense that Andy Reid has always ran. I mean, when you just take out Zach Ertz, who's your number one receiver, and Burton and Selleck just pick up the slack, maybe not with quite as much efficiency as Ertz had, but like that toss to Burton, like what other third string tight end gets that play called for them lining up on the outside? Like that is downright impressive. And it feels like the way he's like interchanging the running backs, like Corey Clement. I mean, Smallwood's kind of a non-factor now, but they've used Smallwood this year. They've used Barner. They've used Clement. They've used Sproles. They've used Blunt. They've used Ajayi. I feel like I'm, I'm forgetting someone. That feels like the way the Patriots and Seahawks for the last few years um, have been able to just use like a committee back and just scheme up whatever they want on a given day and have a whole different game plan. That to me is the most impressive thing. It's like it feels better than an Andy Reid offense because they're, he's doing what Belichick does with running backs, which is I'm not trying to compare the two. That to me is really impressive. 
it's the exact opposite of what we experience with Chip, right? 100%. Like Chip, Chip was, you know, he came in at his press conference and said that he adapts players or he adapts the system to his players, which we learned was total BS. And Doug, to his credit, Uncle Dougie is getting guys in positions to be successful. The old Andy Reid quote. And there, it feels like at this point, he now knows every player's ultimate strength and their ultimate weakness and is able to adapt a game plan almost to perfection. It's it's frightening. Like, you do have to kind of wonder how much, you know, we said in the, in the offseason, Doug really does have an excellent staff around him. He's got a, a group of guys that are well-respected in the league. Uh, you know, part of me wonders how much of it is Doug and how much of that preparation is you know, his coordinators and his other coaches. But regardless, like your ability to build a great coaching staff is, is part of what you're seeing, you know, be so successful now. Yeah. No, I think that all goes to the head coach. And uh, remember, I was jokingly, not jokingly, I was somewhat seriously saying that Howie Roseman did a little Steve Jobs uh, just in terms of him getting getting demoted was the best thing for him. I was think while I was watching the games yesterday, I'm sitting with Matt Miller and we're just talking about the Eagles and we were talking about John Elway because he was talking about how the Broncos have completely mismanaged the quarterback situation. And I realized like, sure, like the free agency this year, Kyle was great. Think about the main three guys that Howie brought in last year, Nigel Bradham, Brandon Brooks, and Ronnie McLeod. Mm-hmm. Like, th- like, think about those guys. And when they signed Brooks and McLeod, I would, it's fair to imagine that most of Philadelphia went, why are we paying so much money to a safety I've never seen and a guard I've never heard of? And now, like, I'm just having people tweeting at us all the time, being like, dude, you were right, Brandon Brooks, holy shit. And it's like, he was incredible yesterday. And Rodney McLeod is everywhere. And him and Jenkins are like the core of the team, and Nigel Bradham is one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And it's like, damn, Howie, damn, Doug. Like, I'm, I'll say it right now. Like, I'll, I'll eat all of the fucking crow about Doug Peterson, and I'm sorry that he wore a visor and he looked and sounded somewhat childish because I wrote him off. I really did. I didn't like any of his clock management. I didn't like the way that he put Carson Wentz in harm's way two years ago after he got a concussion in Chicago. I didn't like it down the stretch. There's just a lot of shit I didn't like. And I want to apologize. I'm going to eat all the crow right now. What Doug Peterson has done has like, built a culture my of on that Wednesday. What Wednesday? They're putting him in a bad situation. In Chicago. Oh, he got when Carson Wentz got concussed in, or he got like drilled in Chicago and was like hurt. And then the next play, he had him as a lead blocker on a toss. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, okay. It was okay. just, it was just, I didn't like it. Like it was just this. This seems like someone that's in over their heads. And to what both of you guys have said. Uh, all of the credit with Frank Reich and Jim Schwartz and John DiFilippo, all of that goes to Doug Peterson because he's the one that built the the culture when he came in. And then, Kyle, to what you were saying about how all these guys are ready to go, the fact that Doug Peterson is spending more time at practice getting reps for the second and third team guys, that's the reason you're able to do this like the Patriots do. And... 
I want to apologize for talking shit on Peterson because, but you know what? He proved me wrong and I'm fucking proud of those guys because it's, uh, it's incredible that, that we have a team right now that's eight and one and is only trending upwards. And I do have concerns about the bye week because there's lit. I, I wish yep. we didn't have to have a bye. And I know that everyone's saying, but isn't this great? Ertz and Darby gets healthy. Sure. I just, I don't. I don't want the players to go away for a weekend. And I know this is super fucking selfish because I am the the ultimate supporter of players' individual rights. And I know that they'll be motivated. I just, I always worry about a team losing their mojo because they, they the grind changes. But shit, congrats to Peterson. Congrats to Howie. Y'all proved everybody wrong. Y'all proved Mike Lombardi wrong. And it's super great. I'm happy. He's on I mean, Charlie Manuel track, right? He is on Charlie. It's, it's kind of it's kind of like how it feels, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, right. like here's a guy who comes in, looks a little foolish. You think they're in? Sounds over a little head. foolish, guys. Yeah. I'm gonna go get my coconut oil. Hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> the other the other thing we didn't. <laughs> the, I I forgot. I forgot. Is that what we should do? Should we just celebrate every big Philadelphia sports win with the sound of reaching in for coconut oil? We need like a legitimate sound drop. It's I feel not, like it needs to be more. It doesn't uh, sound like the bottom of a mayonnaise bottle. Yeah, I feel like it needs to be more uh, lubricious. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Lubri. Lubricious. There's a word there. It's not. We. It's not like lubricant. It's close though. Oh. Um, it needs to have more of that sound. Lubricious is the word. Oh wait. It is. Uh, yeah, Lubri- it is. Smooth and slippery. Yeah. With oil or similar substance. Yeah. Well done. It doesn't squirt. It doesn't make that farting noise. It's got to be gotta be smooth yeah that more that's, sounds like when you stick your hands into gack that's uh there you go ladies and gentlemen when you are uh, standing by the water cooler today don't forget to drop in the word lubricious l-u-b-r-i-c-i-o-u-s lubricious. girl your legs look lubricious no try I, that i would say i would say i'm um, totally saying that to my girlfriend today russ uh, when you mark test do you write like outstanding excellent can you just like put an no, a on one and that. put lubricious no i don't do that <laughs> that'd be funny oh, you don't i don't write like that. i don't write comment words no i don't damn johnny your grade got me lubricious. That's that's just disgusting. A plus. Really don't lubricious. do that. You'll get fired. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I prefer not to. Thank you. Yo, start uh, writing a word. I used to feel real special when I got a word. Like the yeah, like an outstanding. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Russ, come on. Step Way up. to kick ass. Sticker maybe. A draw. You're yeah, the car. You're the Carson Wentz of quiz taking. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Um. The yeah. So uh, there is a little bit of. Uh, of Charlie, Charlie Manuel. Manuel there. Charlie the, Fuqua Manuel. What's other, Doug's middle name? Crusher. Six one zero. Crusher. The other thing that um, I we haven't talked about, and I know Adam just wants to say his name Irving. before we do the bye week thing. Halapuli Poly Vitae. Wait, Halapuli Vati Vitae. I actually learned it yesterday. Yeah, it's Halapuli Vati Vitae. Adam. Holly Pulley Volley Vitae. That's what Thank I said. You. Holly Pulley Volley It was good. Vitae. Doug Peterson's middle name is Irving. Oh, I like uh, that. Mm, I like mm. that. Doug Irving Peterson. Are you serious? So his initials are good. Dip. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought Vitae. He does look like a guy who would dip tobacco. Oh, fuck like, yeah, he does. Doesn't he? Well, he probably great. like rocks a little, a little skull in the lip. I Twin, can't do that. Like, I've tried twice, and both times have ended poorly. Yeah, really? I threw up in high school trying it. Uh, that was like the rage uh, in high school for a little Adam, while. Adam, what was your Didn't... story about uh, chewing tobacco while we're on the topic? 
uh, I was at my friend Joe's house, who is now a college soccer coach, and he loved to dip. And uh, I dipped, and I proceeded to just, like, diarrhea everywhere. That's my story. Have a great day. From your mouth? And then, the, and then the other one, it's just both times it just put me on my back on the couch, dizzy as hell. Yeah. And I was like, I just can't do this. Like, my body's not made for it. Yeah. I have a friend who, uh, who was notorious for his dipping while drunk. It's one of the and, food uh, groups in coal country. You'd be surprised. Maybe Go you ahead. wouldn't be. That actually, 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 really depressing. Actually, Why you would you say it like that? <laughs> I mean, it, you'd, you'd pretty much assume that it is a, uh, a food group with how much people dip. And it's, it's the, that was the, the dis- joke. Thank oh, you. No, no, no. That's why Thanks. then I said, I said, then I guess you wouldn't be. It's just like people walking around with uh, uh, like 99 cent water bottles that are now full of brown, mysterious liquid. Uh, I'm was- just imagining a third grade Russ where the teacher's like, all right, everybody, <laughs> what's everybody think about the answer? And then like the camera pans to the class and it's like a classroom full of like whatever, like 11 year olds are like, well, teacher, <laughs> I I am reminded of a time. The floor, that, the floor is just brown. Now I'm reminded of a time in college though, where my buddy was uh, was dipping and he was lying to his girlfriend about it while she was sitting there, and he was using his like little bottle to uh, to spit out the tobacco fluid. And then at one point, like you know, the night's gotten long and he's still carrying this bottle, and she thinks it's iced tea, and she reaches to drink it, and then yeah, I think uh, I swatted it or he swatted it, and it went everywhere. Yep. Did you know any so, girls who dipped? Um, I've like known two. a couple. Ugh. Like two, but Your like wife I dip. Absolutely not. Yeah. But like I, I legitimately like if if we're talking about an unattractive quality, I would say that uh, dipping tobacco <laughs> is uh, that's that's pretty high up on my list of things to avoid. I would agree. The, with I you. think I think how you look when you dip is a sign of how cool you are in general. Like Bleach Report used to have this guy writing. His name was Matt Bowen, uh, and he played for the Packers for a little bit. And he became a writer. He's actually a good writer, and now he writes for ESPN. Um, and we would he would come in on some Sundays, and we would do videos with him. And then afterwards, he'd have to write an article. And so we'd all be sitting there, like shooting the shit, watching Sunday Night Football, whatever. And he would have a full dip in. And he went to the deli around the corner and got a six-pack of Coors Original Tall Boys. And he would sit there with a dip and his Tall Boys. And he would type like this. Like, he went through multiple laptops every year because he typed so hard that he would break the keys. And this dude would just, bald dude, would be sitting there smashing the keyboard with a lipper in, drinking a Coors Original. And I used to always look over and be like, dude, you're the coolest motherfucker ever. Like, I, I if I did this, would look like a caricature of an idiot. And you pull it off and you'd be like, thanks, bro. You know what the nice thing is? I can actually now picture Doug Peterson doing that, designing a game plan with his visor and his, and his you know, stepdad middle part. Oh, I always man. pictured Doug crushing, but that's a, that's another topic. Um, is it the bye week. So yes. So um, I'm not sure how to feel about this. I think fo- if there's one sport where having a week off does you well, it's football. There's a huge difference between the bye week this year and the bye week last year. They caught the league a little off guard. First of all, they played the Browns and the Bears to start the season, but then they did trans- and the Steelers. And, let me 
finish my uh, <laughs> after the parenthesis here or comma. Then they played a mostly decent Steelers team. They were a little depleted and not quite the Steelers. But, yes, they, they crushed the Steelers team. I think they caught the league a little bit off guard. The, there was no book on Doug Peterson or Carson Wentz, uh, and that gave them a little bit of a leg up, and they had a little bit of momentum, and they trashed the Steelers. And we were definitely playing out of our fighting weight, and the bye week just sort of brought everything back down to earth, and then losing Lane Johnson. This year's entirely different. Um, they're getting better. Like they're not catching anybody off guard anymore. That Bron- the Broncos aren't a good team, but their defense is more than respectable. Uh, dare I call it good? Um, and they just like surgically took them apart yesterday. So this team is is improving. It seems week by week. Like they are better right now than the team that needed a field goal to beat the Giants. Like this is this team is consistently going. Up. They're adding pieces. They're adding new wrinkles to their offense. Agreed. Guys like new, you know, there are a lot of new players, and you see Alshon and and Blunt and Ajayi is, is obviously going to be brought along, but Alshon's coming along. Like there, there's new players who have new roles to learn, and I think you're seeing all sorts of improvement. So the bye week to me. Yeah, it kind of sucks because yesterday was an exclamation point on the first half and in a big way, and probably not the best week to take off. I'm not as concerned about that, though, as I am about three of the four games coming out of the bye. Like, this team's for real. Yeah, you, sure. might, have a, you might have a one-quarter lull when you come back just because you're rusty, but I think they're good enough now where, like, the bye week is not stopping them. This isn't a baseball team like the 2011 Phillies who have 11 days of meaningless baseball and then enter the playoffs and are just blindsided. I don't think that's the case. What I'm more worried about is they're coming out of this by, and people told us not to be negative. This is being negative. It's just being very real right now. The Cowboys look good, right? Now, Fuck we have yeah, two games do. up. I'm not worried about the Eagles That's missing. two up. weeks for Zeke to get suspended, I, motherfucker. I agree. And then have the U.S. court system provide. Yeah, I just feel like this thing's going to get punted all season. So until he's actually suspended, I, I don't even want to – I don't even know – I can't even acknowledge it personally because I'm – that team's good. Now, here's what I'm not worried about. The Eagles have two games up on them and and pretty much two games up on on everybody else with the exception of, like, the Rams and, I guess, what, uh, Saints or Seahawks. Um, the Vikings are right there, too. The, stop it with the Vikings. You always I'm just – no, you said records. I know. So I'm just I telling know. you the records. No, but I do think that – I've said before, the four teams I think Eagles fans should pay attention to are Cowboys, Vikings, Rams, and Saints. Those are the four teams. Everybody else, no Seahawks. Oh, and the Seahawks. Excuse me. Those are the five. Although they look, their offense. I mean, they. Yes. At times they're surgical, and at times they look putrid. Anyway, they look surgical when it's fourth quarter and it's rust. Save us. Yes. Yeah. Which isn't sustainable, by the way. No, and it's good to bet against. But they've they've had. Um, I'm not worried about the Eagles missing the playoffs. I, I honestly think they have a leg up. On, you know, they have a leg up on a bye. I'm not even necessarily worried about that. But, I, you know, I think we're going to get a little bit of reality here. You're going on the road against the Cowboys. Then you come home against the Bears, which should be an easy win. Then you go on the road against the Seahawks and Rams. I assume the Eagles are staying on the West Coast for that week. That would make a I would whole, assume so. That would make a whole lot of sense. They're probably going to play of their schedule thus far. If you don't, you know, besides the Chiefs. They're going to play the three toughest teams or toughest games they've played all season in the four weeks coming out of the bye, along with the Chiefs game. I think all I think the Rams, Seahawks, and Cowboys are more imposing than the Panthers, than the Broncos, than anyone else they've played but the Chiefs. And all three of those games are on the road. 
and then you have a trap game at home against the Bears. The Eagles should be favored in most, if maybe not the Rams game. They should be favored against the Cowboys or a push. Should be favored against the Seahawks. I, I just don't know. Like, this is such uncharted territory for us to go to Seattle and and be the better team. Um, but I'm I'm worried about that. Like the the Rams are downright good. They don't get a ton of play. But when you like this could wind up being a be Goff Wentz battle over the next few years more than Goff uh, more than Wentz Dak. Like there's there's good teams out there and they're just not the teams we thought. I'm not as worried about the Saints. Like some, I don't know. I know their defenses improves and the running game's better. They're good, dude. They are good, but. I don't know. I'm only concerned if you're playing them in New Orleans. Yeah, I would agree. But though they're they're they they're running like like ten point percentage points less or more this year than they have in years past. Like, and they have good two good corners. So like this is a totally different Saints team that's more equipped to win on the road. It's not like the high flying teams we're used to. But that's all. That I mean, like, how do you guys feel about that? I'm not trying to be negative, but if the Eagles come out of this three and one, like you're. You're you're writing your our ticket yeah. into the championship game, but there's For a sure. real chance they go two and two go coming ahead, out of the bye. No, I, I just think like I think the ultimate way that we're gonna know how legit the team is is how they respond coming off the bye uh, against Dallas. I like I think if they come out and they throttle Dallas, um, or they they don't show a lull in that first quarter and they they come out looking like they didn't have a bye week, then I then I really do think that they're on their way to the the NFC Championship game. But if they that you cannot allow yourselves especially going on the road against a team that, you know, you're going to have to essentially like maybe go down to the last couple of weeks against. Like the, the last thing I want to see happen is they end up dropping both games to Dallas somehow. I'm trying to think what year it was that they uh oh god, what was the year that they went to the playoffs? They got throttled in the regular season finale or two games before. It was the Donovan Air Guitar game. Yeah, it was game. like oh, 09, yeah. I think. Yeah, and then they go into the playoffs and they get smoked again. Like th- those are the kind of things that I worry about. Like I, I don't want to see a, a Dallas team go out and win against whoever they're playing this week and then they come out and they they get on the Eagles early and the Eagles aren't able to to come back. Yeah, like that that's the number one thing I'm looking I'm looking too. I don't but, think it's negative because we said this shit in the beginning of the year that if you look at the Eagles schedule at the end and and Kyle I think that even just focusing on the final seven not just the four so it's three road games after Chicago at Seahawks at Rams at Giants and I know the Giants suck but it's still a rivalry game and it's still going to be physical as hell and it's still on the road and then you come back home and it's Raiders and Cowboys so we, we have said this before the year, we've said this during the year, that they, they're going to keep going and it's going to come down to what happens after the bye. Uh, I do like the fact that the Cowboys play at Atlanta this week. Yes. Because Atlanta yeah, okay. is going to be desperate as hell. They're going to be pissed. And then Dallas has to go on the road and then come back. So um, I think, yeah, it's going to be tough. But I am also at a point now where I do think the Eagles will be favored in these games. The Rams game, I think, will be the really interesting test because... To me, that's the toughest here. Yeah, I think we match up really well against Seattle. I think that our defense and Seattle's offensive line, Russ, will be all over the place, and I'm really not afraid of that offense because they're very one-track-minded. They don't have a running game. Dallas um, is going to be tough. I mean, straight up, like... How will the Eagles fare against a ruddy game like Dallas? Like, 
I, I look at the fact that Kareem Hunt is the only running back that has more than 40 yards against the Eagles this season. And that's really freaking impressive. And I, I just, I don't think we faced that many great running backs other than him. Melvin Gordon, they played really well against. Uh, Carolina hasn't really run the ball well all year. So Dallas is a really interesting case, but I believe that whoever sets the tone in that game, kind of like if if the Eagles themselves can run on Dallas, then we're going to be fine. But Dan, that defensive line shut down Kareem Hunt yesterday, and I mean the Chiefs' offense really freaking struggled. So that will be something to watch. Dallas is so and, much better with Sean Lee; it's not even funny. Oh, dude, they're a whole fucking other team. But the Rams are the team where it's two teams that the offenses are a blend of college and pro, where the scheme is really good, where they're a lot like the Eagles, where they don't have like a lot of studs, but they have so much depth. They have two tight ends in uh, Higby, and I can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head right now, uh, that are both interesting athletes. They have four or five wide receivers that are all really good. Cooper and Cup, they have, best name and they in have, football. Yeah, they have Cooper Cup. They have Sammy Watkins. They have Robert Woods. Uh, they, have, they have another guy that I can't even think about right now. Then they have their running backs, and they have a few of those with Gurley. They, they have so many pieces. And then you have guys like Aaron Donald, who is our Fletcher Cox. And... They're just, they're very complete. But I think we have a better offensive line. But that is a fucking tough game. So, but I'm still picking the fucking Eagles. I am. Because I think Carson Wentz is the best quarterback out of all of the teams we play. Like, Carson Wentz to me is top three quarterback playing in the NFL right now. Hands down. I don't care how old he is. Focus-wise, driven-wise, talent-wise, like, ability-wise, he's fucking better. Yeah, until yeah. we play Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers gets healthy, we're good. Yeah, and t- to your point, the Eagles line is better. Wentz is better than Goff, although Goff is Goff is good. Like he's that, he, but he's out of the same playing field. Totally, totally agree. Wentz is. I mean, Wentz is on another level. I think when you look Russell at Russell like, Wilson is the guy. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, all right, so comp- you know, let's compare Wentz to Russell Wilson. To me, as talented as Russell Wilson is, and he, I mean, he. God forbid, like they ever lose him, they're going to be absolutely dreadful on offense. Yes, but he's one of those players. This is not addition by subtraction. I'm trying to think of the right phrase here, but he's one of those guys that they rely on so much that it sort of just neuters their entire offense. Like their entire See? offense is him buying time in the pocket and launching a ball up in the air or running. So this with is it. like this, and you could get your drink ready. This is literally what Sims and I talk about all the time. Is people say this shit about Aaron Rodgers too? They Rodgers scheme. is a much better, much better passer than Wilson I'm just saying. Pe- people say that people they like run around a lot and it and it changes the offense. Green Bay and Seattle run some of the worst fucking offenses ever. They're so basic. Like they set up Russell Wilson to fail to where he has to do those things. So I will always defend Russ because. Daryl Bevel's offense is always so boring. Yeah, no, no, this isn't this isn't going against Russ, but I think from like a team construction, viability, sustainability standpoint, like I the pack it's doable with the Packers because Rodgers is on such another level and he's such an incredible thrower. 
I mean, he's so much more, you know, not that Russ isn't necessarily accurate, but I mean, Rodgers is on a different plane and he doesn't rely, he relies on escaping the pocket and rolling the pocket. He doesn't rely on running around like a madman quite the way that, that Russell does. Um, to his credit, he's able to stay healthy. Uh, like, I feel like every year you're just waiting for him to snap his leg, which I hope doesn't happen because I enjoy watching him. But I just think the Seahawks offense is so, it's so less, like, at least the Packers, it's consistent. Like, Rodgers is just sort of consistently great. Russell Wilson is just, you feel like he's, like, playing at the end of the rope all the time. And I just don't think that is a sustainable offense. I think Wentz has a more well-rounded skill set. I don't know if he's I do too. better than him right now, but like Wentz is has all the makings of of the best quarter of becoming the best quarterback in football in a couple of years. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. And you you sort of brushed aside Todd Gurley like he wasn't their best player, but um, oh, he's he's pretty unbelievable. I mean, he now that he's got a, a, a coach who has an offensive mind, he's yeah. he's proven what he could be. So yeah, I don't know. I just feel like. If they go three and one coming out of here, it doesn't matter. Pick which game you win or lose. Obviously, you want to win the Cowboys game. I then I'm feeling real good about this. This isn't like a test. Like okay, they haven't proven anything. I want to be clear. Yeah. Like the Eagles have proven they are good. Like they are very good, potentially great team. What they the Broncos are not a great team, but that defense is good enough that that should not have happened yesterday. That was down to me. That was the most impressive outing because it was so efficient. Wentz only threw for 199 yards. Holy shit. But he, I mean, looking. he had four touchdowns. I mean, like the efficiency and the surgical ability and the way they mix it up. Like they, they did the old shovel pass sort of thing or the, or the little little dump off on the one touchdown. They had the, play, they had the fake to Ajayi for, on the Jeffrey touchdown. And then seeing Burton, who I was paying keen attention to because I rostered him in every one of my DraftKings teams yesterday at $2,500. It was a steal with that late news. Anyway, watching him, he lines up on the outside. You're like, all right, so Burton is lined up as a wide receiver right now. Are they really going to throw to him? And then you watch Wentz drop back and just throw that like back shoulder pass to the front pylon to a, your third string tight end. Like their offense is just so, so incredible. Like they are potentially great. But we're really going to find out how good or great they are over these next four weeks. And that's not to diminish anything they've done thus far. It's just now it's getting real. Now you're playing marquee matchups. Now you are Sunday night football against the Cowboys, Sunday night football against the Seahawks. They might even get another game flexed into there. They're so good. Carson Wentz's red zone passing this year. 15 touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks. 117.6 117.6 quarterback rating. That's gross. 15 touchdowns on 24 completions. It's wild. Um, do we want to talk Sixers at all? Or is this just going to be... Because I was at the game Friday. Yeah, let's do it. And holy shit, it's magical. So, so since... Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Russ. So since our last podcast, this is just... I, I think I'm going to do this more often. Our... Uh, our Ben Simmons is going to absolutely win the Rookie of the Year. How dare anybody mention any other player in the history of basketball? Uh, Ben Simmons still remains and actually uh, widened his lead in being the top scoring, rebounding, and assist-per-game rookie. He's also climbed up to third in field goal percentage. He's attempted more shots than any other rookie, and he's converted on just under 52% of them. Uh, and now he's gotten up to second in steals per game among rookies, only behind New York's own Frank Tilakina. Frank, Frankie Nicotine. 
Yeah. Um, and he now, granted, he is averaging the most minutes as well, thirty-five minutes per game. But uh, they that game against Indiana, I was down at Han Dynasty in Old City for a friend's birthday, and we're watching the game like on the reverse side of a screen, which I've never done before. It was awful. I'm watching Ben Simmons shoot jump shots with his right hand. I'm watching JJ Redick fading the wrong way with a left hand three. It was very disconcerting. I had to go back and watch the game. I felt like I was in Stranger Things or something. Um, but the the Sixers are legit. And, and going back to, uh, I think it was Kevin Kincaid tweeted this, between the Sixers and the Eagles, it's 11 unbeaten. This is something like where Adam in the summer said that we had hit rock bottom as a Philadelphia fan base. Jeez, uh, man. Like, the is Sixers really are... Is that case? What? 11? Wow, I didn't even think of that. Eleven yeah. straight unbeaten game. Wow, between the wow. Sixers and yeah, the, between yeah. the Sixers and Eagles, like it's wow. it's remarkable. And like the Sixers at this point, they they have like some shades of what the Eagles are doing as well with veteran leadership, uh, with with young guys stepping up and playing well well beyond their years. Ben, like we've been saying, Ben is playing like a a fourth year vet. There's nothing pretty much that looks rookie about him. Um, the only concern that I that I've had thus far in the season between you know with one of their best players is Joel turning the ball over at the clip that he is like it's unsustainable but I think it's also just trying to figure out how to play with with Ben and the new pieces and trying to kind of force his way but the the Sixers just look so good right now and like it was funny I woke up this morning and I'm reading this article about um, Cleveland about Dwayne Wade and the second unit and the kind of locker room fracturing that's going on uh, with the the bench guys versus the starters, and I'm thinking, man, like if if a team that has Dwayne Wade and, Le- and LeBron is falling apart that way, and then we look at this young team, and it seems like they're unified as a bunch. Like the, there are just so many positives. Like again, I don't know how to react because I I don't like to get too excited about teams because I'm used to them disappointing. But there are so many good things to look at right now. It's it's kind of hard to you know to I, get down on them. I think in a way the Sixers upcoming road stretch which is which is brutal is is akin to the eagles on a on a different level uh they're not like the eagles are are now legit contenders um the sixers are not but i do think we're going to find out a little bit of what we have for this season right now granted this team's going to continue to get better they've only really been playing together for six weeks as as a unit there's a ton of new pieces and young pieces and there's going to be a rough road stretch like you know, even winning just a handful of games here is would be darn impressive. I mean, there's a chance they lose all of them or go one in what? What is it? A six game stretch? Like one in five? It, it could be brutal. Um, that said, like I, you look, they have a winning record now. They've won what four in a row? Time in four, yeah, for the first time in four years, they're uh, they're rocking an over five hundred sketch or over five hundred record. But I go back to the the part of their first four games. They were in position to win in the fourth quarter against set aside that dreadful Raptors game. They were in position to win against the Celtics, against the Wizards, and against the help Rockets. Me, the Rockets, Rockets. Thank you. Yeah, I mean they essentially had that game won. I mean they're they're not. They're a handful of possessions off of being what eight and one, which would would just be unfathomable given the difficulty of their early schedule and the fact that they're so young, like. I think the we're going to. They're competitive on the wrong. West Coast. I'm going to feel real good about this team being a you know middle of the road Eastern Conference playoff team. Like I really well, do they think they have so, that much talent. So my brother and I took my dad uh, to the Pacers game on Friday for his birthday, and um, 
I sat down with 9% phone battery. And I was like, all right, let me shoot a little video for my Instagram story. And I was like, all right, I want a video of Simmons and Embiid together. And Lance Stevenson proceeded to rip Ben Simmons's jersey off. And I'm like, all right, let me post that real quick. And uh, Kid Omar, the one that runs House of Highlights, um, texts me immediately. And he's like, where did you get that video from? And I was like, uh, my phone? And he's like, oh, shit. And I was like, here's the full video. And then so he posted it on Instagram and Twitter. And so then my phone died because my notifications went crazy, which is really fun if you've never had it happen before where someone posts something that you've done and then it's like of like instagram mentions and my phone battery went from six percent to zero percent in like literally 30 seconds so i had no phone which was actually great because i just watched the game and i'm watching people one the atmosphere there friday night wait that, was so that was your video that was everywhere yeah no shit yeah, that was from my phone. Yeah, Bleacher That's... Report even like did the the via Adam. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? So that I was funny because my brother was like, "I just got an alert, and you from he's like he's like I just got a Bleacher Report alert about the video that you just took sitting next to me," <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that, that happened." Um, so yeah, my phone died like instantly, and then, but dude, that atmosphere that awesome. was so incredible to be in. I mean, when when it was getting hype and it was coming towards the end and JJ's hitting some of those threes, I know he said after the game, like, that's the most, like, the loudest it's ever been in, like, a regular season game. It was such a joy to watch everybody. Like, I was jumping out of my seat and I didn't care about the people behind me. Like, it, it was it was nuts. I, and my dad had season tickets for a long time after, like, through, like, all the 2000s. And he eventually said... I really can't do this anymore. Like they're not they're not giving me any value for paying season tickets for a team that is tanking. And so I had gone to so many shitty Sixers games over the years. And it was such a joy and to watch Ben Simmons and Embiid in person how tall they are, how big they are, and Ben Simmons is so special. I mean, he was going up sometime. He shot a legitimate shot lefty, Russ. That yep. that might not have been your flipped TV. He'll shoot lefty, and then he'll shoot righty, and then he'll pass lefty, and then he'll pass righty. And to have J.J. Redick out there who is like a pure shooter, and and to watch Covington, and, and he can legitimately shoot. And you're just, you're watching Sharich and... Damn, dude, it was fucking really, really nice. And I agree with you, Kyle. The Golden States of the world and this this, this next three-game stretch, we are going to learn a lot. But, man, it's it's a fucking good time to be a Philadelphia fan. The One thing, thing that you said really... Um, oh, this God, is just I was, really quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the beginning of the season, I remember saying after... It might have been the first game. I said the biggest takeaway that I had, and you guys got on me about it, was Robert Covington. And I said Covington, if he continues to perform at the clip that that he has been, like watch out. And Covington right now, a guy who notoriously starts, you know, very poorly to start seasons, is shooting just under forty-seven percent from three. He's jacking up uh, around six, around six-ish threes per game. 
he's he's been like a real revelation. He is again like everything that the process was about is finding guys like Robert Covington and and again like Brett Brown, all the people that were calling for his job. Brett Brown is the guy who developed this guy. Um, so it it is interesting to see a guy that's so dynamic as a three and D. Like we know that Reddick is a legitimate knockdown shooter. We know that Bayless has range. We know that Sarge has played a lot better as a starter in these last few games. But Covington, man, it, like a guy who was picked up off the scrap heap, to see him playing big minutes and hitting big shots, and like when when he takes a three now, nobody's rolling their eyes. Like I I think we genuinely expect him to make practically every shot he takes. That that part to me is is awesome. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, and I think the fact it seems like you know I, I don't have data in front of me to back up, but just from the eye test, it seems like either he or Reddick is on in any given game. Like Friday night was a Reddick game. Covington played well from what I remember as well, but like it seems like you now have two legitimate NBA deep three point threats, and at times. Covington looks like Covington may be the more well-rounded player. He's not as experienced as Redick. Uh, I don't think he he should ever put the ball on the floor, although he did have a nice drive on Friday night. But, I mean, he's he's a terrific defender, and his, like, you never get the sense that he's taking a bad shot now, whereas that didn't used to be the case. So I feel like you have two legitimate deep three-point threats. It's not like you have Redick, and then, oh, by the way, Covington can shoot a little. It's like, no, we have two legitimate scorers who could just heat up at any given moment um Covington's range is is sick like regardless of whether he's on the line or five feet behind it the the arc looks the same the form looks the same it's really impressive I think um you know like to your point I forget what you were even saying besides the Covington thing what else did you say I had a response to something what me yeah I don't know (laughs) I I, I did say something about Joel and his turnovers a while ago. Oh yeah, no, um, that's that's a legitimate thing. He's it took him a while. Not that it took him a while last year, but he settled into his own. Like come Christmas time in January, he still played so little basketball in the last three years. I think that stuff will get cleaned up over time. It is a little frustrating at times. He's a touch immature. Like when he turns the ball over and then goes down and wallops somebody on the side of the head, you're just like, man, like. There, there's definitely some rough patches to his game that I think we kind of in our minds have glossed over. Um, defensively, Wet moment. oh, what one? I remember what I was going to say. Then I'll turn it back over to you. Right. One thing I think defensively, like Embiid is is not where he's been. It seems like he doesn't come over to help as much as he was, and when he does, he's yeah. fouling guys. That and was, his athleticism yep. on that missed dunk. It, my dad said, I've never seen a big man not able to jump that much. Yeah, that that was what my wet blanket moment was going to be. Is well, he's missed a few that, dunks, actually. Since that meniscus surgery, the explosive, the explosiveness hasn't been there as much. Now, granted, the second missed dunk that he had was one of those kind of like lean to the side, almost like Michael Jordan in Space Jam or something kind of dunks, where it's like, all right, it's definitely there, but... The speed looks a little bit down. I don't know how much of it is conditioning, too, because I think he picked up, like, 20 pounds or something over the offseason of, of muscle is what they were saying. But, like, I think he's I think he's around, like, 285 now. Like, I guess you really can't expect him to be as as agile on the floor as he was last year. But that that really, I think, physically is a little bit of a concern. I wonder how much that, that botched I – sh- I call it botched. It shouldn't be. But – that meniscus surgery and all of the recovery and all that nonsense, you know, like you, you do wonder a little bit well, how much that's playing in on it. And he'll lose some it. of that weight. I think guys, 
you see, he sweats more than like anybody I think I've ever seen. Like when Molly Sullivan was interviewing him, I know LeBron does this a lot too, but I mean, he was like a water fountain on top of that microphone. Like, I don't know how the thing didn't short out. He's going to lose some of that weight over the course of the year. I think his explosiveness has looked fine. Like on a couple of those dunks uh, in the first game, the other night, like he's gone up. You've been like, oh my God. Like that was the first time I ever thought someone was going to legitimately take down the entire backboard. Like not just break it, just rip it down. I don't think it's the explosiveness. He's clanked a few off the back of the off the back iron on those attempted one-handed dunks. Like he's going for the highlight real play and he's not converting those. I know the play you're talking about though, Adam, where he he jumped up. I guess it was on the either the was it a rebound or an alley oop, and then he came down super awkwardly. That was yeah. the end of the. That was like an end of game thing where it got it got tossed around. I think eventually to Covington for a three, right? Like he he misses the dunk, captures his own rebound. It gets out. I think it goes Simmons to Covington, something like that. Yeah, the way he came down scared me there. But I, I think, like, you know, he's definitely got some rough patches. The dunks are not really – I'm not concerned about the dunks. I just sort of, like, frustrated because it seems like he, sometimes he just – you know, he loses his – not intensity, but, like, he gets a little careless out there is probably the best way to describe it. Whereas, like, with Ben Simmons, we, we really don't see that. He plays like a veteran. Like, Embiid plays like a young guy who at times gets careless. Simmons does not. The other thing defensively is Amir Johnson. Um, he like he was just getting abused on the pick and roll Friday night, and then when they put Holmes in, like to me having Holmes as a backup slash starter when Embiid's not there is such is such a huge upgrade. He like Brett Brown described him as violent. I think that's the perfect way to do it. Like his first points of the season being that monster putback. He's he's good. He's intense, and I don't think. There's as much. There's not nearly as much drop off when he comes into the game compared to Amir Johnson. Whoa, like having him that? is huge. What's that? Was that a baby? Russ, was that your baby? That was the two-year-old is currently chasing after the uh, the nine-month-old. Oh, what? A, I'm gonna mute. That's I didn't. Amazing. I didn't know how much of that would get picked up. That was he's, awesome. He's currently running after the other one. The nine-month-old is learning how to walk with a. Uh, Which one do you love push. more? Uh, it really does depend. Because the, the nine month, <laughs> no, no, no. Like every parent's like, oh, I love my children just as much, and it's like, look, anybody who's listening who has had a two year old going on three, like two and a half year old, they they should nod their heads right now. Like we've just started the, hitting the, the terrible twos, by the way, and he's oh, a month dude. away from being two. Can Me I tell too, you, guys, like, it's the ter- worst. Terrible twos are bad, but everybody's like, oh my god, just wait until he turns three, and I'm like, shut up, it can't get worse. <laughs> and he had like a two week period where he was like back to being a little angel. And now it's like, uh, he's like, what is the worst thing that a two year old does? They like break your heart. They like break your soul. What do you mean? (laughs) Like, no, seriously. So like, it's like you get to a point where they're just so defiant and it's like, they, they have an idea of what they example. Give me a conversation. Like something as stupid as like wanting a hug from your kid. And then he just looks at you and goes, no. And it's not even like, no, it's like, why, why, why would I do that? Oh. And I'm like, buddy, no, this is not how this works. And then, like, the nice thing is, you know, you can go from that and then two minutes later, like, runs over and, like, jumps up on your lap, gives you a kiss, runs away, and and it's fine. See, ours, sounds great. ours is like um, ours. Kyle, who's a month away from – he's almost two. Like he's you talking he, about yourself in the third person? I'm just kidding. He's old enough now to understand – you know, he's old enough to communicate a little bit and understand yes and no and all that stuff. He knows right and wrong. 
no matter he's his thing like you speak of defiance like he he climbs up on the couch and i wouldn't care if he got up on the couch and just sat there but he thinks the couch is like a is like a you know a bounce house and he's yeah banged his head on the table behind it multiple times so far so like we just don't do not want him on the couch and he has the ability to climb up there now and he won't do it like if you walk out of the room and you're watching him from the kitchen he has no interest the minute you walk in the room it's like a game like how how long can i stay on the couch until like dad like physically removes me from it and i mean if i'm in there an hour i i've i'm literally 28 times i will have to remove him from the couch and yell no to the point where it's just like I, does he not hear me like he knows what the word means it's it's that's the frustrating part and he's getting really selfish like out of nowhere it's like if god forbid like you try to take one of his toys or a piece of food yep. and like you're like what it just happened like a week ago he was like sharing he would give some to me some to my wife some to the dog now it's like if you even look at him when he has something he values he's like like i like he's like turns into stewie it's crazy yeah it's like or or like you have the hot wheels out and it's like, all right, buddy, time to put your cars away. And like, our our two year old Luca, he'll, he'll like look at us and go, okay, but I want this one, I want these two. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, you can keep those two cars, but the other ones have to go away. Anyway, Adam, I know this is making you want kids. You know why? Uh, you know, no, just it's giving me the game plan. I'm gonna have super kids that are gonna just like be like, they'll be perfect. I don't think I'm gonna go through any of this. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, right. yeah, bullshit. So- I'm going to be freaking, freaking out. It's going to be awesome. No, good luck with that. Um, damn, kids sound hard, but they also sound rewarding. Um, speaking of hard and rewarding, I just was watching on Instagram the NFL posted some highlights. And uh, I guarantee you, Brian Baldinger is going to post on Twitter a video of, of Brooks on the Jay Ajayi run because he blocked two Broncos at the same time and knocked them both down. And uh, that was hard and rewarding. Is this the game film breakdown they do on the radio? On 97. Baldinger always is like. Locker? Baldinger yeah. always does this. Probably be like, this is. Uh, is no, hold on, let, me, let me think how he posts. He'll go, he'll go, he'll go. Taking a look at the Eagles film. And this, this is one of those plays that you just love. Take a look. Brandon Brooks. Right here, right guard. He's going to get out here and he's just going to. Knock two guys down. That, that's good blocking. And then it's like, that's the 20-second video. Is there anything that has jumped the shark more than NFL footage breakdown? No, I have the ultimate jump the shark. It's called Philadelphia sports people that use a shitload of emojis and have pictures ready to go in every one of their tweets. (laughs) And every time there's a touchdown, it's like Carson Wentz leads the NFL in touchdowns. Football, 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 fire, fire, fire. And I'm like, fucking A, my eyes. How do you really feel about Marshall Harris? How do you really feel about Jeff? That's what I'm saying. It's it's all of them. And I like all of them. Same. I like Jeff Jeff Skaversky is one of my favorite dudes in Philly, but it's all of them. Here's my They theory. all do the same thing. They all like got a lesson from like their parent companies <laughs> about how to engage yes. with millennials, and it's fucking killing me. Yes, this is like they have Hillary Clinton itis. Adam, no, Adam, you you nailed it. I <clears throat> so Twitter. I use Tweetbot, which is like just gives you your old school reverse chronological timeline. 
But the, most people, I guess now, the, the Twitter app is Twitter is kind of segmented off those third-party things and wants everyone using their app. And their app, uh, you know, has a Facebook-like algorithm where it surfaces some tweets. I think somewhere along the way, someone discovered that tweets with images or videos get surfaced yes. more, which is the same thing Facebook does. So these guys figured, all right, I'm going to have images, stock photos ready to go. Like, that's the yeah. annoying part. When the touchdown happens, it's like a picture of Wentz from his signing day. You're like, yes, and they <laughs> had that ready to go. Like, oh, so if Wentz throws a touchdown, then he breaks this record, so I should have this ready. And they have, and you're I right, get it. they have these tweets pre-produced, they're pre-written out, and it's just a simple copy and paste. But, I mean, Skiversky, and I have nothing against him personally. I think we, I love him. we played in the, he was on my media team last year, really good guy. But, my God, it's like he cannot tweet anything without, a, a, like, a Getty Images photo in there. Just And it really no isn't reason. just him. It really is a lot of them. Like Here's I Matt know. O'Donnell. Matt O'Donnell. Carson Wentz is the first Eagles QB. Did he just do it? To, yep, to throw 23 or more touchdown passes in the first nine games. And here's a picture of Wentz with his fist in the air wearing a green shirt. So it was not a jersey. It was not from yesterday. Like it, and then and then we had people tweeting at us yesterday about Elliot Shore Parks, which I don't even know what he did. Oh, here's Skaversky. What didn't he do? Fire, fire, what Carson Wentz. Youngest QB in history. Football emoji. Hashtag Carson Wentz. Fly Eagles fly. Picture of Wentz at a green jersey. It wasn't there's from a picture, yesterday. There's a picture of Carson Wentz getting his fingerprints done for federal clearances. And Jeff Skaversky next, uh, next game is going to tweet that out and say, well, it looks like Carson Wentz's fingerprints are all over this game. <laughs> if that happens, that'd be great. How, what, what do you guys think? Who are the local media that you think halfway through the season is doing a good job? Like that has impressed you. <laughs> for the Eagles? Kevin Kincaid. Kevin yes. Kincaid is doing a great job for crossing broad. I have to. Can I complain a little bit? Can I whine about of something? Of course. And this isn't about uh, Kevin. I think Kevin's doing a great job. Um, I, Kevin is covering the Sixers. He, like, he doesn't go to goes to probably 80 percent of the home practices just because for our advantage it doesn't make sense obviously for him to travel or to go to every single practice or like to shoot around the day of a game there's no news there's no worthwhile news it's, it's like better for him to just work normal that said he covers the sixers as well as anybody especially when he's there um we've broken or or been sourced on a couple of things uh right there along with uh newback and and pompey on several stories Newback's followers, like him and Kincaid, I think have about the same number as followers. Newback's followers are all Sixers people. So when like Kincaid is put out stuff the same time as Newback, and Newback in like five minutes will have eighty retweets, and Kevin will have like four. And I wish more people knew. I then maybe this is on me that Kevin is a like a Sixers beat guy most of the time, and he's running like his day after post of both Sixers and Eagles have been downright terrific. They're like they're smart, they're intelligent, they're not they're approachable. Like they're not so in depth that they're unapproachable, but they're not so surface level that they're like vanilla. Like they are the perfect mix for every Sixers fan should take five minutes after the game and always read his takeaways because they're You don't need six Advil to like when you finish reading their like six thousand word, you know, soliloquy, waxing poetic about Yes. Yeah, it's it's just like geez, the freaking uh, yeah, I, like that, he, that, he has nailed yeah. the middle ground between having a vanilla recap that you would find in a newspaper and having a 6,000-word treatise that you would find on The Athletic. Wait, so what were you going to complain about? No, so I'm complaining about the fact that I don't think, like, I don't think Sixers Twitter has realized that they should, like, 
be following Kevin as a Sixers fan. Set aside what you think about me and the website. You should tweet him out a lot. I and yep. I do. And he, you know, I got it's like trying to balance. Like every day, I don't want to tweet, "Hey, follow Kevin." Like it gets annoying. I've done it a few times. It'll pick up a few hundred followers at a pop. And it's not just a follower count. Like I just feel like I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to establish him more as like a Sixers voice because he's really good like he's one of the three people you should definitely be following if you're a fan of the Sixers because he we've we've been sourced and broken some things or been you know right there along with some others as as there's been some team source stuff to come out but like just his day after breakdowns there are a thousand words take you four minutes to read it they're readable they're approachable it's segmented like it's the perfect blend of stuff and so like i'm just trying to be complimentary of kevin and i think we just need to establish him more as like not just a a blogger for crossing broad but a guy who's like genuinely covering the sixers and he's elicited some of the better quotes from guys like uh, brett brown and um, the one from Amir Johnson the other day, like you know, he does a good job in press conferences. Um, Kyle, did you hear the news? I have. I've, the news is that I am now Kevin Kincaid's agent, and uh, we'd like to talk to you about renegotiation. Yeah, there you go. Don't go too. <laughs> so uh, don't go too I have a really good idea. I have a way to get Kevin a little bit more notoriety. He shows up in Camden, and they turn off Wearing the lights. A suit from Ventresca. No, no, no. Dipshit. No, no, no. No, they. Uh, it, the lights go out, a spotlight comes on, and all you hear is... I have no Little... idea what's going on right now. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah, Russ. What are we talking about? What? You want him to go to the practice facility and then to put a spotlight on him? Am I getting this right? Oh, Russ, wait. You're muted. i muted. When did I mute? This is... I'm... I'm... <laughs> Bring it home, hey, Russ. T- yeah, Russ, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what's going on right now? Was that music playing or no? Yes, yes no, there we was music. The music. Okay. And then you muted, and we're, we're all wondering what's happening right now. I think uh, I think he needs to uh, go full NWO. He needs a spray can. He needs to start spray painting CB. He needs to, like, get whatever kind of, oh. whatever kind of egotistical BS that this- Bodner is writing for The Athletic – and he needs to get out a spray paint can, and he needs and he needs to spray CB over it. That's how you get notoriety. That's the plan. Uh, well, that I was your Jeff Kaversky moment. Those, yeah, those opinions are that of Russ and no one else. No, but I like yeah. I think you touch. I think you touched on a good thing. Like I, I, he, I, there's a way he's so professional at what he does. Like he's so good at. At cover but he could be so good as a disruptor. Well, I I feel like I like I feel like it, it's on me. Like his content's on our site, so I feel like it's on me to be like the loud promoter. Like for once, like I could pa- I always have pounded John Heyman of Kevin Kincaid. The Paul Heyman, yes, Paul, yes, Paul Heyman, John Heyman. Heyman. Did you say John Heyman? No, that guy would not be a very good promoter. <laughs> he, yeah, no, but like yeah, that would be hilarious though. Shave your head, go down wearing like a tight fitting suit. It's not there. It's scream, on. It's on Twitter. It's not there. A... He does a fine job there. No, my, like, I've always pounded my own chest, and people will be like, "Dude, you are not humble at all." I'm like, "Look, first of all, the website is like my livelihood, and I don't have a PR guy. You know, when I don't have people like taking out posters on SEPTA for me, like like the Daily News did for fucking Marcus Hayes, right? So when we do something <laughs> right or good." And it's something that I wrote or did. Like, I also have to be the PR guy to be like, hey, this is great. I don't have, like, a parent account that is tweeting and promoting my stuff. So I've always done that for myself for no other reason than, like, literally it is good for business. 
But now that I have other people writing and like Kevin's good, like I could be a little more unabashed about it and I probably have to be better. Like this is the best fucking Sixers recap you're going to read today. And it always pisses, it still somehow pisses people off. But I'm like, I'm telling you, just follow and read Kevin. Like, so that that's my wine. That's my wine. He doesn't get enough He's, attention for being a great Sixers beat guy. And I know it's only like eight games in. You know what the problem is? Is that he covered a trash team who has a trash owner who doesn't spend money and who is now Union. absolutely going to be the most irrelevant franchise in the city. Like, he, he actually tweeted something about this this weekend, that the the uh, Philadelphia Union had a chance the last few years when other teams were down, especially the Phillies, and there there was, like, a void. There was a vacuum created that all they had to do was spend some money and win some games, and they might have, you know, captured a little bit of that summertime, you know, market share. But, oh, no, they couldn't do it. And now he's covering a real team, and that real team is – you know, is it is is like you get to finally see what he can do, and so I think like there there is part of that that like people just didn't know who he was because he was covering a a poor team, and now the fact that he gets to write about a legitimate team is is awesome. So like people like me who were fans of his work on the Union Beat, you know, we know. So there we are. Yep, I would agree with you. Someone just tweeted us really said you're going to upload the pod within the next twenty minutes. I'm hopping on a flight. That's probably our our signal to uh. Well, fucking A, if that guy wants it, then that guy gets it. And that's what we do here at Crossing Broadcast. My name is Adam Lefko. His name is Russell Joy. The other guy's name is Kyle Scott. And together, I am sure that you will enjoy the podcast. For now, for always, forever. This is Cosell, right? Yeah, okay. I guess so. Yeah, by the way, we got we got some five star reviews. We didn't get any. Uh, there were no reviews, but we got ratings. Russ, so will you will stars. you compile them for Wednesday's show? Uh, yeah, I'm saying there are no reviews. We just got ratings. We got more five star ratings. We're up to like 262 of them, I Ooh, think. Nice. So if you are listening to this, if you're about to get on a flight, don't forget to go on to Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it, iTunes, whatever. Leave a review, five stars. Love us, hate us. Leave it. Yeah. All right. See you guys Wednesday. See you.